Hello and welcome to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Bridges, and here on this show, we dive deep into all things mothering, sistering, and humaning. Because the roles that you play are something you learned, not who you are. Let's begin. Inspired by the pantry jars that neatly lined her grandmother's cabinets during her childhood, Vipka decided to entirely rid her kitchen of plastic when she renovated her home in 2016. Soon after, she realized the positive impact this change had on the health and well-being of her family, and she left her position as a senior executive at a Fortune 500 company to create Bliss House and empower others to do the same. This conversation that I had with Vipka will blow your mind. You're about to get so many tips and strategies for creating a life and a kitchen that you love. Enjoy this episode. I know you will. Welcome back to the Mother's Empowerment Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you all. Happy Valentine's Day. First of all, this is our premiere podcast and I am here with my dear friend, Vipka. Thank you, Vipka, for being oh, here. Oh, hello, hello. I'm so excited. <laughs> and in Valentine's especially. Yes. And this woman has taught me so much about self-love and self-acceptance. I invited Vipka into my home, my messy, messy home, to help me get organized. But here's the thing. She helped me get organized, yes, but she helped me with so much more. So we're going to go into that story and we're going to unpack a little bit about what I mean by that. But before we do, Vipka, I would love for you to say hello to everyone. Let everyone know a little bit about who you are. And also, I'd love to hear what does empowerment mean to you? Oh, yes. Well, hello, hello. And you can hear from my accent that I grew up in Germany and came to the States to follow. It's Valentine's Day. I have to admit to it my high school sweetheart. So I was the German exchange student in St. Louis, Missouri, and um, came back years later to follow Fred Lou, um, my high school sweetheart. We were prom dates. So um, yeah, Valentine's Day is special. And um, when I came for college, after college, I did the big, fat corporate career path and then Silicon Valley startups. And it was he who nudged me to start Bliss House uh, five years ago. And it came about uh, when we had remodeled our own kitchen and I sorted our kitchen in out of desperation and copied what I grew up with in Germany with my grandma. And um, so that's uh, when I set up jars and ended up labeling them. And people observed, like all of our friends in that came to the house said, wow, where did you find this? And I was more stunned and said, well, I did it myself. And Fred was the one who said, why don't you do this? Do this Bliss House kitchen organizing business. And um, yeah, the rest is history. Since then, I've been cleaning kitchens <laughs> from, mm-hmm. from corporate strategy to cleaning kitchens. And really it leads right back into empowerment because he empowered me to follow my heart and to seek out the beauty of things and the beauty of homemaking. Um, I love baking and cooking. That's how I grew up and have two little girls that are now teenage girls. 
Um, and so he gave me the space and encouragement to follow my heart and try out this business. And then um, it, what I could do with that by starting it myself is weave in the sustainability and the tree hugging purpose that I always wanted to figure out in my corporate life and kind of could weave it in, but it ne never really. So now I can help families kick the plastic habit and live with more light and love and air in their homes, less plastic. And yeah, meet people like you. <laughs> it was such a treat to be in your home. And what is so wonderful about what you do is that you inherited this skill set mm -hmm. from your grandmother. I, I didn't inherit that skill set, but my kids get to because I'm learning it and I'm implementing it and I'm putting it to use in our day to day lives. Yeah. And you know what? I think that is so important to remind yourself that it is a skill set. It's nothing that we grow into. And when you hear all these phrases where we tell, oh, teenagers are so messy or just clean up your room. Just, you know, we haven't learned to clean up our rooms. Like we, it's not an instinct to clean up your room, to clean up your house. Um, and so I think it's really a matter of making it a game and a, and playful um, activity to teach skills to ourselves and to, um, to the kids. Yes, absolutely. Um, one of my favorite memories, childhood memories, is sorting the Lego pieces with my mom. And she was, she is not an organizer. She was not a neat freak at all. She was a busy teacher, taught for 40 years, but um, she needed to get the rooms cleaned every once in a while. And so we would sit there, sort Legos by color and by size and shape. And while we told stories. And so having that little bit of busy work going on with your fingers while hanging out, that there's definitely one of my anchor moments. So sorting things leads directly back to home. Yes. Yeah. You have to, yeah, we have to learn this and we don't have home ec in the schools anymore. So that is one of my long-term visions for Blizzards. Can we bring home ec back mm -hmm. into schools, right? We graduate knowing calculus and economics and political science and whatever the kids learn, um, but they don't, know how to crack an egg necessarily into a frying pan. Um, so I think there is um, a lot of power in that. And, if, you know, we have to do it as families because the schools don't do it. I think, um, yeah, my dream is down the road. Let's bring it back into the schools too, because as a family, you're also busy. So, you know, the kids live in both worlds at the same time. Yeah. So bringing it back into the home as busy moms with families, how do we, uh, create bliss house in our own lives when there's so many other things going on school career caring for you know elderly parents how do we create a lifestyle based on this work yeah i absolutely i i hear that challenge and and the tug that we have all, all the time and um i think one key is to slow down and reflect and understand yourself a little bit, because I think we fall into different pockets of people. Um, and so for me, tidying and organizing is, is definitely self-care. Um, I love doing it. I love the before and after that I see, even when I, you know, declutter, like, well, and declutter. So I just took our nutcrackers away from the, from the Christmas time in, in early January. And then we put out whatever happens for the birthdays that come up. So decluttering 
the seasonal decorations and so on um, and seeing right away afterwards that clear space is, is gives me such calm and joy and and zen i i love it but that's me and i my sister for instance is doesn't fall into that pocket so she's a completely different person so um organizing and having an organized space i think um is a is yes a skill but also a talent so um if you don't have the talent by all means pull in sisters and moms to, to help you and do it for you, um, do it together with girlfriends. It becomes an, you know, mutually, I mean, we would say mutual accountability. So that, that already makes me cringe a little bit because that's like your personal trainer who keeps you accountable, but it's really just a mutual encouragement to keep on going, especially when you sort through your own things. And if you have a friend there, um, she can, and she and he can pull you through. They can pull you through um, where you get stuck. And um, so I think one, understand who you are. Two, enlist help, however that um, looks. It could be friends, sisters, neighbors, um, hire professionals, whatever works. And then three, um, don't do it for others. Don't organize in order to match some ideal or some Instagram or Pinterest goal, really organize the space so it flows and works for you. And so if you have, you know, preschool kids that are learning to take their snacks to preschool, then put snacks on a, in a drawer down below so that your preschooler is empowered and can get their snacks themselves. If you have teenagers like I do, who one of them is now dating um, a young man who is uh, gluten-free or gluten-sensitive. So now we are empowering her by sorting um, our baking ingredients so she can bake for him gluten-free. So it's really um, organizing for yourself and for your works need, uh, work and life needs, not to just impress somebody who comes into your house and, you know, evaluates you, judges you. What I love about what you're saying is that it's not a one-size-fits-all. That's exactly it's not like right. you can buy this one container and it will yeah. change your life. Exactly, exactly. And I think what it is also is, um, you know, we, we all, why is Pinterest and Instagram, why are they so successful? Is that we are very visual. Um, I think that is, is comes down from being the hunter and gatherers and gathering the berries and nuts and grains. Um, and so looking through a lot of visual information um, and finding the nuggets that you like, I think create your, it really helps. So create your vision board, um, get an idea of what is appealing to you. And then based on those images, um, set up your own um, space to be similar. And it doesn't have to be all you know overnight. So you don't need to go out and get the interior designer to do your whole house all at once. Just do one section at a time and really tailor it to your own needs. Yeah. I think that's really important not to, not to force it. At the same time, if you want to indulge, bring somebody in who can jump start you and get you there because it does take a lot of time. So that's what I've learned over all these years. Again and again, I'm stunned um, by how many labor hours it takes us. So we come in sometimes into a house with a team of three and four, and it'll take us two days, solid two days. And we can always keep on going, but then we'll just say, okay, this is it for now. Um, and, you, and I tally the hours and it'll be 40 hours that we spent in the house. 
And that explains also why um, you can't just do it. So don't beat yourself up um, when you have clutter or, you know, our my crawl space is a mess right now because I pulled out all sorts of bins for skiing that don't fit us anymore. And, you know, so stuff just pass up. And um, I know that is a 16-hour project. And I don't have 16 hours on just any given day. So I think um, that's really a way to be kind to yourself, to recognize how much actual work that is and that you don't have giant chunks of time in your busy life. Talk to us a little bit about building the skill of organizing. Before Mm -hmm. we pressed record, we were relating it to learning how to play the piano. Because so many of us believe that we should just know how to do that. So talk to us a little bit about how we do that. That was really one of my big ahas as I um, pulled in team members as we were um, starting the business. Um, I also assumed everybody can sort and organize. And um, and so I, I kind of had a hunch that some people like it and others don't. Um, but now I've really discovered there's an intrinsic talent and even within the skill of organizing um, different um, talent sets. So we have um, a couple of team members who are fabulous at creating beautifully styled vignettes. So they'll set up the, you know, the plant with the vases and the bowls in front of it. And it looks beautiful and um, inviting and very balanced and all the elements of feng shui are in it. But that same person that I'm thinking of right now, it's B. She cannot get a label on straight onto our jars. So sticking on labels straight without bubbles is a different skill from setting up a you know beautiful tablescape um, or um, having that 3D thinking to figure out how do the pots and pans fit into a drawer um, and where um, what is the best workflow? Where should we put the food versus the whatever food processor? Those are actually different intrinsic talents, and so. Um, I think it's important to recognize that you might not, we might not have those. And just like I, I, I can't sing. I can't play piano. I took piano lessons, but I never, you know, tapped into a big old um, flow state and, and developed really any impressive skills. So, you know, I don't, and I don't beat myself up for it. Mm-hmm. If you struggle with organizing, don't beat yourself up for it. You're not messy. You're not um, you know, you don't even need a label. I mean, it might be some attention issues or so, but it's just, you know, just like some people can't sing. I can't dance the ballet. We just were at the San Francisco Ballet, gorgeous performers, and it's just not me. And that's okay, right? And so I, I know how to enjoy that talent by observing somebody, but I don't, you know, bring myself down because I don't have it. And And so the big surprise for me was within people, Within the group of people who love organizing, there's even different talent in there. So that really showed me that it is more than just something that we should pick up if we are neat, organized, successful people. It that doesn't come alongside with it. And I think that relates to other places in our lives, like parenting. We're <laughs> all we all have different gifts and skill sets that relate to parenting. Some yeah. of us are really good at you know, making healthy meals for our children. Some of us are really good at imaginary play. Some of us are really good at going out on adventures. And so we can lean into our gifts. And yes, we can get better in areas that we're weak in. 
But what I hear you saying is if organizing your home is a weakness and yet you still desire an organized home, there are other ways to go about it than just yes. being mad at yourself and thrashing yourself or throwing your hands up and saying, never mind. Exactly. Absolutely. And I think that is one of these, um, you know, the one worries that people always say, oh, does this last? Um, because you have a lot of organizing systems that I think don't tap deep enough into the core purpose and core workflow. And so those organized homes, you know, get off the um, rails again um, versus if you set up a system that has um, the workflow logic, very detailed um, underlying the whole setup, it, you know, the, the, the day-to-day routines fall in place with that. Yes. Um, Could you give us an example of what you mean by that? Work yeah. Work. So for instance, um, uh, you know, I mean, you see a lot of um, Instagram images of rainbow sorted markers and rainbows sorted, I don't know, popcorn bags. And um, and I think if you set up a kitchen like that, specifically a kitchen or an arts and crafts room, um, chances are as soon as you move two of those juice boxes and popcorn bags out, things get out of whack again. So if you want your house to look like a well-stacked, well-stocked um, 7-Eleven, that'll last as long as you, the first per customer, so to say, walks through and then you look like a pick through 7-Eleven. And so um, thinking through, taking a step back and thinking through what is really the purpose for the space and is it for storing, you know, our consumer packaged cacophony that sits on the shelves at the supermarket now in the house or do I just have to have the raw materials to cook? So I think that is the next step. So it's um, and so by um, so our approach is definitely to take all of the food, decant it into jars so that we get rid of the packaging and the visual noise of it all. That allows us to standardize the sizes of the jars so that they fill a shelf or fill a drawer completely. And that's almost the thinking of a dentist who will put a crown or, you know, an extra tooth if you have a gap, Um, because if you, you know, lose a tooth and then you don't put a crown in there, everything else, um, a bridge is the proper term, I think, a bridge, um, everything else gets out of whack. So we lock up a drawer fully with jars. And if 12 jars fit, we put 12 jars there. Even if you at first think, oh, I don't have 12 things to fill into these jars, just lock them out so that you don't um, get any clutter to accumulate in the nooks and crannies. So I think um, there is a workflow thinking and a systems design thinking. Uh, If you apply that, um, it will be more self-maintaining as uh, compared to just sorting things, you know. And so that's where when you get frustrated with um, organizing systems where you have to, you know, Marie Kondo, love Marie Kondo and her philosophy and the and the enthusiasm she um, inspired in so many folks. But if your kids can't fold the T-shirts the right way, it's, you know, it's not going to be um, self-maintaining. So I think there are ways to think through your workflow, to recognize who your kids are, who you are, to make um, the organization work for you. And the the thing is, it's worth it because once you set up um, the home with dedicated spaces for the things you have and need, um, you really free um, a lot of uh, brain power to uh, to be able to 
one, relax, and then two, be creative and enjoy your time much better together than always scurrying around trying to tidy up. Yeah. This piece is really important because you free up brain space, but but in order to do that, you have to put in a lot of intentional thought. Yes. you, You front load what the systems and the strategies are so that over here on the back end, it can feel more spacious and easeful. Yes. And it's really interesting because when I work with our teams in spaces, we we start and we so always feel so grateful to be invited into a home. It's a very intimate moment. Um, I always say kitchen shame is real. People have a lot of shame and embarrassment about the, the clutter in their drawers, clutter in their pantries, clutter in their closets. So it's very, very um, sweet to you know get that confidence and um, an invitation to join the space of the family. And then um, the team is at, at the beginning always a little bit hesitant because you know we think, oh, maybe they had a reason why things were here. And so there is a moment when I, as a team leader, and we have always one team lead on our teams. Come and we come in and we empower our team to actually do a harder edit um, and um, follow our workflow thinking. And so sometimes we really, I mean, we've done this in your house, really move things into completely different spaces that I know for the next two weeks, the family will look for their dives and forks in the wrong drawer because they're used to having it, whatever I say, on the left of the sink. And now we moved it to the right of the stove. And so um, falling into the new routine is hard. Um, you'll have some families that definitely bristle against it, but that is, um, but we, we, we really empower our team to put in our workflow so that the family can try it out. And then if the family in the end always wants, you know, really doesn't like the silverware to the right of the stove, we can always move them back. We've had that so far in all these years. I've had only two families move the silverware drawer back to where they originally had it. Um, and and but and I love those two moments because that they were self-empowered, right? Because they really tried it out, gave it a shot for two weeks, and then after two weeks said, no, we like it our first way. And and it just makes me so happy because now I know it is their kitchen. So yes, we come in with very deliberate, specific workflow, uh, empower our team to put it in place, even if it might um, go against the habits and routines of the family. But that allows then the family to decide, is this a new routine we want to adopt or um, do we go back to our old ways? And usually um, the workflow is better in the new way. Yeah. Yeah. So I love the theme of empowerment because it's it, it's really what it is about um, for the team and also for the families. And I think it's a balance of both, right? So I empower the team to go all the way and set up a Bliss House kitchen that looks like the Bliss House photos and then empower the family to put in, you know, their plastic, whatever, Oreo um, food or, you know, granola bars or whatever plastic wrapped items that they love because it becomes now a deliberate choice as opposed to us living in this kind of blur of cruise control in a frenzied, fast-paced um, lifestyle that it's funny. We get kind of swept up in, right? We, we don't sign up for it. Um, I think it's just a matter of our schedules, media, and just life being this fast these days. Yeah. It's really true what you say. And um, I do not lo- love to cook. 
However, my husband loves to cook, loves to bake. And so ever since you came into my kitchen, I feel like I have a relationship, almost like a reciprocal relationship with my kitchen. You know, I give to it, I maintain it, but it is here to serve me as well. And so we're in this like fluid relationship because I have just started decanting all my food and I had so much resistance coming home from the grocery store. And then I have to do this hour long of decanting, but that's not, my kids love to do it with me. And it's just a lifestyle. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, I just love that. Yes, because it is a definite, definite new routine. You come back from the grocery store and just want to plop it down, plop everything down. Um, And I think, yeah, I I like that. Um, By decanting, you almost, yeah, make that conscious, it's almost like a little ritual of, hello, welcome food. Now you live here in our kitchen and you remember what is there. And I think that um, slows us down a little bit because putting a little friction in, so the jars are definitely friction, right? You have to unclasp them. They're heavy and all that stuff. So people get really worried and say, is this convenient? There is inconvenience actually built in by design and by getting into a relationship with the jar, you get into a relationship with the food and that inconvenience now um, forms the foundation where you remember what you decanted. You remember the food you have versus um, every, every kitchen we do, we find like five bags of quinoa and the family doesn't even remember ever buying it. Right. So if we, if there is a cost to convenience, that's what I always um, like to say. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so if things are super duper convenient, might be a moment to pause and think like, okay, where, what's the trade-off here? Um, Yeah. uh, But you know, it's not all or nothing. So by all means, order the um, food, like the, what is it? Fresh eggs or blue Mm -hmm. apron or something. If, if you're in a pinch and, um, want to have a different um, routine, um, have the pre-chopped food. But I think then definitely go back and try to chop your own celery because you do get into a different relationship. And yes, it takes an extra 20 minutes. Um, but I think you get more than 20 minutes worth of reward for it. Yeah, I love that. I love that the decanting helped you build a new relationship with your kitchen, especially when the kids do it in the funnel. I mean, what's more fun than that, right? <laughs> Yes. And, you know, it goes back to our kind of our theme today, which is love. Mm -hmm. You know, it's this sense of I am putting in time and energy because I love this space because I care for the space and it cares for me. And so just like we do with our romantic partners or our children or our friends. And this is, you know, this is where, um, yeah, exactly where the Bliss House name came from. So Bliss translated into German, when you're blissfully happy, the German translation is wunschlos glücklich, which means wishlessly happy. So you're so happy that you don't have any wishes left anymore. All your wishes have been fulfilled when you're blissfully happy. And um, and so it was that moment for me realizing, wow, we have more than enough. We had remodeled our kitchen, it was a lovely new space. Um, and I decanted everything and it looked gorgeous. And when after my decanting exercise, 
there was no blizzards yet. That, but that's when I realized, holy crap, how much I overpurchased. Hmm. So that's when I thought, okay, I got to slow down on this consumerism and, and this over shopping and this dopamine kick of buying, buying, buying and losing track of what I had and then wasting money and food. And so Bliss House allowed me to realize I have more than enough, right? Our prayers come true. Give us our daily bread. Guess what? If you're listening to this podcast, chances are like 99.9% of your half the daily bread. So let's slow down and honor that and worship that. And if it's by putting a funnel on a jar and pouring your lentils into the jar, I, you know, I, I just love that because um, it's just this little mindfulness moment. Yeah. So that's, it's this loving our food, loving the life and the gifts we have. Yeah. Wunschlos glücklich. I couldn't. That would be too long of a URL. <laughs> I also would not know how to spell it. <laughs> Nobody would. <laughs> okay, so I what I also love about your message is that you're not all or nothing. You also talk about, you know, having plastic in your in your house and say a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so the when I when we first did it in our house, I realized. Um, after the so we remodeled our kitchen. Uh, it was finally done. Everything was thought through. So I had applied workflow thinking as we decided what drawer was going to hold dishes and knives and forks and such. So moved everything in. And then the last step was to move the food that I had in two giant laundry baskets in our office, little guest room, um, for the two months that the, the kitchen was torn apart. And so there were these laundry baskets with bags, with chip clips and open boxes and all of the normal food stuff that you have in your normal pantry. And so I was going to move that back into these pristinely new virgin shelves. And I just couldn't bring myself to put that mess back into these brand new shelves. And that's when I remembered how my grandma had her kitchen and so I decanted um, all the food into jars. And at first I didn't have labels on them because I thought, oh, you know, I'm going to be minimalist German. I can figure out this is pasta and these are beans. But then it was actually my husband who's um, American born Chinese. And Fred says, which one is the risotto rice versus the regular rice? So that's when I put labels on and, and they work on so many levels. They were such a gift. Um, just really stumbling into them. And um, and so at that moment, when I decanted everything, the entire dining room was full with packaging and waste. And I had been pretty active in sustainability and the corporate world and corporate social responsibility. But it really hit me in my gut to realize just how much packaging we had as a family of four and two tiny little girls. So we weren't huge consumer of massive amounts of food, but it was still so much waste. And so that's when I said to the family, I'm like, hey, guys, shall we try to live without plastic now that we had jars and could go to the bulk bin stores? And so they were they were in it. And, um, you know, I took them to Berkeley Bowl and the kids re were relieved and they found like little whale fish. So not goldfish, but whale crackers that are just like goldfish crackers. And so th they realized, OK, I still can have gummy bears and, and treats if we buy from bulk bins. And it really became such a lovely journey. But I knew, you know, if, if it was all or nothing, we would have given up. And so everybody gets plastic hall passes. And if you really, really want a treat, 
you know, you buy it. So Josie to date will still buy Oreos. Um, and that, I mean, that is the worst packaging of all the, that, that Mylar ba- bag. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we'll buy potato chips and so on. So it's not all or nothing, but it becomes really this moment of um, cherishing um, the treat that we buy in the plastic bag, as opposed to just taking it for granted. Mm-hmm. And so now I have um, teenagers who get stoked when they get to pick out a new box of cereal that is in plastic, you know, has the plastic bag inside because we do slow down and throttle the plastic intake. Yeah. So, but, but if we, if we are too harsh on ourselves, I think we are, you know, that is the opposite of empowering yourself. Then you're just, you know, beating yourself up for um, ha- breaking a rule of not buying plastic. So if you, if you can cut back by half, that is huge, right? Imagine if we all cut our plastic consumption by half or even, you know, 20% a quarter that already will move the needle. You can literally order a smaller garbage can afterwards. <laughs> well, speaking of empowerment, I want to ask you a question. I ask all of my guests, which is what is an empowering action step you'd like to invite our listeners to take? Um, I think one, so the, the thing to empower yourself with is really the, the the loving yourself enough and be your own Valentine's. It is Valentine's Day. So be your own Valentine's and think about what would you give yourself if you um, had to give yourself a Valentine's and you wouldn't um, be harsh on yourself and you wouldn't be all or nothing. And, um, and so I think the Valentine's gift to yourself is, um, to recognize your talents. And if you're into organizing and if um, sorting a sock drawer soothes you, go for it. If not, recruit help. And at this, in the same token, also um, re- recognize the power of routines. And so many of our families think when we leave them with these brand new, beautiful kitchens, um, they think, oh, now we have to cook fantastic new recipes. And I think um, having a routine and having um, a empowering yourself with a Monday lasagna night and a taco Tuesday and a, you know, order takeout Wednesday, I think is really, really um, grounding and um, takes a lot of um, thinking and um, agony about what to eat and how to use your kitchen out of, out of the um, uh, equation. And then I know for you, Taco Tuesday is an easy thing. For me, Taco Tuesday is like the special treat I'll do for the kids. I didn't grow up with it. And so it's um, it's somehow, I feel it's just so tedious. I don't know. But we were talking about that before. Yeah. Every home has its own culture. In our home, we have Taco Tuesday every week because it's just the easy thing to do. Because home, that is like too hard. Like why do all the work of that? Well, all those little dishes, like there's the sour yep. cream dish and the guacamole dish and the salsa. I'm like, whoa. Um, yeah, it's not second nature for me. For what is um, second nature for me is definitely, and I, and this is how the girls ended up being such big bakers to bake pretty much every other day. So similar to um, your husband, and um, and so we always have a like it's cookies or tiny muffins or a pound cake or something, and that's the snack that the girls will eat when they come home from school, and so it's a home baked thing. 
in, in accordance to my grandma, it's all healthy, honey, because mm-hmm. it's just butter, flour, sugar, and eggs. <laughs> um, and so I guess it's m- relatively minimal in terms of processed ingredients. Um, and so that's the the goûter in France, the tea time in England, um, coffee and kuchen in, in Germany. And so that's the snack um, that we'll have. And then, and so that's part of our routine, um, which I know a lot of families find completely overwhelming having to bake. So that's why we go buy some cookies, put them in the jar and have tea time that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a r- routine where you have some anchor foods in your kitchen that you don't have to think about. They're just, you know, you can whip them out and they are 80% of your week. I think that is really, really empowering as you set up your um, family life. Yeah. So helpful. Well, if, our listeners want to know more about you or find you. Where can they do that? Oh, you come to blisshouse.com. Um, that is B as in boy, L as in love, I S S. And then house is the German house. So H A U S dot com. And um, yes, we actually, we are always looking for more team members because um, we are a team of 99% uh, moms that are looking for part-time projects. So it's part-time project work that we do when we go into folks' homes and sort them. Um, and we are on the West Coast, up and down the West Coast, the Bay Area and LA. Um, we have some team members in South Carolina um, on the East Coast. But if you're interested in sorting other people's kitchens, which is so much fun, <laughs> come reach out to us. And um, of course, sign up and do your Bliss House Kitchen. We are, we are looking to get, well, I'm looking to get Bliss House, the book wrapped up. Mm-hmm. That's a big goal for 2023. And, um, and then with that, we will have some online courses where we do um, groups or like mommy circles, mm-hmm. um, where we share our kitchens with each other and then organize together. So you get some expert advice while we um, go get into the kitchens ourselves and do it bit by bit. Um, it's really fun. We've done kitchens via Zoom like that in um, Boston, in Shanghai, in um, in London. So yeah, there will be lots of fun stuff to do. <laughs> so if this interests you, there are many ways to connect. Yeah. And all of them will be in the show notes. So you can look for them there. Fabulous. Okay, wonderful. Is there any last thing you want to share before we close? No, it's just a big, big thank you to you, Val. Your your home is full of love and bliss. Absolutely. It's it was it's such a delight to be part of your family. Well, thank you, thank you so much. Until next time. Bye. Bye. That's all for today, my friends. And here's what I want you to remember. Empowerment is an inside job. The only one who can empower you is you.